Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. So many of us feel stuck and unsure of how to make positive changes in life. Journaling is a proven way of keeping yourself on track and creating lasting change. The How I Quit Alcohol Playbook will take you through 365 days of gratitude, daily affirmation, and loads of techniques to help you stay on track and head towards a clearer future. Head to the show notes or iquitalcohol.com.au to grab yourself a copy today. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today in the Zoom room, I'm joined by 25-year-old, six years sober, James Van Cooper, who's a musician. He tells me he's a nice guy, but I said I'll... I'll, I'll be the judge of that. Thank you. I try really we, hard to be. <laughs> <laughs> we ran into each other and met each other backstage at the Big Red Bash Music Festival on the Simpson Desert last week. And I noticed that James was drinking heaps normal beers. So, of course, I went up and introduced myself and he said, I already know you. I follow your podcast. Uh, oh, no, I follow your Instagram. That's a good impression. That, that is what I sound like. <laughs> And so I was like, oh my God, you're going to come and tell me all about it on the podcast. So welcome, James Van Cooper. How are you today? I'm so good. Thank you for having me on here. It's, um, yeah, I'm really excited. I'm excited to have you on as well. Tell me about like six years sober at 25 years old. So you got sober at 19. Yeah. And there was six months prior to that of trying really hard. (laughs) Wow. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I I got clean. Um, I finally, I finally had my last drink in November, in, in the November of that time wow. period. Um, Incredible. Yeah, uh, November 26th was my last drink six years ago. Uh, uh, so yeah. Um, yeah. But the time prior to that, there was a sketchy six month period of uh, I, I'd stop drinking Monday to Thursday. And then by Thursday I go, Oh, fuck, I can handle it. And uh, oh yeah, <laughs> and that'll chestnut. back off to the races. And yeah. then I just sort of hurt myself enough by Monday to go, Ooh, probably can't do this. <laughs> wow. Wow. This, it's so young to have that realization. And like I just said to you before, before you hit record that I've had a few like young people on lately and it's, it's pretty amazing, but also quite shocking that, 
you know, to have had such a serious alcohol issue at such a young age. Can you wind it back, you know, a little bit and tell us how old were you when you started drinking and how did you get started? Yeah, yeah. I um, I think I, it, it, well, it goes back to like everything in my life I've ever done, I've done as an addictive person or as an addict. You know, I that's, you know, I'm a guitarist. I'm, I'm a nice guy, as I mentioned earlier. I'm, you know, I'm all these things. I'm a big show off, you know, mm-hmm. I'm very tongue in cheek. At the heart of it, though, I'm an addict, you know, and that's, and if we put down the character traits of an addict and then James's character traits, they're very similar, um, mm-hmm. you know, and so everything I, I ever did in my life, I did addictively, you know, I sort of, I would eat chocolate addictively, I'd eat food, you know, obsessively, I would, uh, you know, uh, later in life, use love and relationships and uh, as worthiness and as currency, you know, um, I've done, I've manipulated a lot of, lots of people in, in my life to get what I want, addictive person, sort of styles of things, right? Uh, and then I would, so all through my life, I was using those things. And then um, I started sort of, started really sort of getting into it probably around 14, 15, really sort of putting some, uh, putting some effort into the training, you know, uh, and then, but there'd been, uh, I was yeah. brought up in a, in a very, um, you know, alcohol forward upbringing, you know, and uh, I come from a sort of big family where it was very encouraged. You know, and on my mum's side, it's very encouraged. And on my dad's side, it's not. So it's a very interesting uh, mm-hmm. mix of on one side, it was demonized, which made it very fun. And then on the other side, it was just there and, that's also very fun. And, right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So from about from about eleven years old, I can remember drinking. I can't imagine my kids that. Well, one's nine and one's thirteen. But to imagine them so in 11, between them, <laughs> yeah, like imagining them drinking, like what the hell? And I know plenty of eleven-year-olds. So I think, whoa, yeah, yeah that's awful. that's really full on. Um, and and so, who were you drinking with? Was it with friends, or was it around the family? By myself. Or were you sneaking? Yeah, so around family, you know. And I, I don't want to make it sound as though I sort of had had an abusive upbringing. It was just part of our life, you know. Mm-hmm. I think that there are a lot of Australian families out there. That it's just part of, you know, life, you know. And you know, there's that age-old sort of uh, saying of like, um, "I want you to do it here with us. So we know that you're safe." You know, you know, that classic line, you know, I'd rather you do it at home so we know that you're okay. Oh, um, yeah. You I've know, got so much to say about that, but yeah. Yeah, you know, and like, you know, um, on one hand, that isn't, that, that probably is, um, you know, no one likes the idea of their children out in a park somewhere having a bad experience on a Friday night. Um, but I did end up uh, getting quite the tolerance by an early age, and therefore I had some very interesting experiences in parks on Friday nights um, as time went on. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mm. So it was just, yeah, it was just part of our life, you know. It was part of it all. And, um, yeah, as I said, one side of the family demonised it and one side sort of supported it. And so you end up with it being fun regardless, you know. (laughs) You know, and, and I, I, I love, you know, um, it's like the joke is that I hate when the laughter stops, you know, it's like, he's like, it's, that's when it all gets really, really bad. And I think that, you know, it was always so fun. You know, I can remember like uh, that roar of like your parents' parties, you know, like you're in like your bedroom, you can hear, hear adults having fun. What are they doing? Oh, they're drinking, you know, it's sort of like, you know, the sound of a, adults having fun drinking and, 
also we had a fully functioning bar in our house, you know, like we had a sort of stocked, you know, a bar that would give most Irish pubs, you know, a real run for their money, you know? So it was just, <laughs> you know, like we had, we had beer taps and, you know, sort of one of it, one of everything. Like we wow. are seasoned drinkers in, in the family, you know, Dutch immigrant sort of <laughs> boozers. And uh, wow. yeah, it's great. You know, it's just sort of, you know, I grew up near the beach and that was it, you know, you just let's go. <laughs> wow. wow, that's so full on, so full on. I don't think I've met anyone yet on this podcast, but nor have I asked if they had a fully functioning bar that would put an yeah. Irish pub to shame in yeah, their house. Yeah. So it was it there, was, uh, it was available. and It was there. Mm-hmm. And wow. then, you know, and, you know, we, we luckily travelled a lot and I think everyone's taken off the plane those sort of uh, novelty-sized sort of wild turkeys and mm-hmm. Jamison bottles and so you know it, it wasn't un, uncommon to nick a couple of those and you know go sit in the bathroom by myself you know which would become you know a very um you know common theme through my drinking career you know is um it, it would get to a point where it's fun and it's a laugh and then I'd have to take over and then <laughs> begin the journey of uh of you know anger sadness hurt you know by myself dealing with all these things you know that's sort of inevitably where it always ended up for me you know in a bathroom somewhere doing things I shouldn't be doing (laughs) and that hurt and that anger that you're experiencing at the end of the night where was that coming from I don't know I think that you know um I think no one really ever knows where to put their adolescent feelings you know um, I grew up, you know, I was quite a sort of uh, obese sort of kid. and I was Really? From, yeah, I was quite a, a big kid. And, you know, I was, I, um, I, I've got a stutter that I had to deal with. I, I liked bands like Kiss and Bon Jovi, and that's not cool in year five to like, you know. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I spent all my free time playing guitar and girls weren't that interested in me. I've got the stock standard. I used to be a nerd sort of musician kid story you know sort of Mm. uh and so you know you would just end up you know um all those not feeling good enough sort of um feelings you know were just there and you know like um someone once sort of said that like um I found alcohol because I sort of couldn't cope with life you know and that's because that was my biggest issue through all of my drinking and using and you know and I went into uh you know I eventually graduated into uh other fine forms of addiction um Mm. but you know I um you know I couldn't cope with life on life's terms but that that was it you know I couldn't cope with life on life's terms yeah who did you talk to when you were younger? Was there anyone available for you to speak to about those feelings that you were having, the sadness and the anger and all of that? Yeah, that you were experiencing? I've, I really abused the school counsellor system. Right. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, you know, uh, I really went into that. You know, I've, I've, I've been in and out of therapy, you know, uh, for quite some time through my life. And, um, but, you know, the only thing that's really worked for me ever was, you know, abstinence-based recovery was sort of, what I needed and, you know, um, support like that, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it was, I was using drugs and alcohol and women and all the other things that I did, you know, just to try and fill up some void inside that I'm never going to fill up with exterior things, you know, and that's at, at the end of the day, that's it, you know? Yeah. And that is it, isn't it? We can, as much as we try to fill it with externals, 
we can never quite heal what's going on internally. Well, we never can heal it with the externals, maybe momentarily. Mm -hmm. No, it'll never, it'll never, ever leave, you know. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah. So with taking alcohol out, even though I'm jumping a little ahead here, how have you been able to heal those wounds that were that kind of left that gaping void? Yeah, as as life's gone on and as I've sort of gone through stages of recovery, it's become somewhat uh recognizable that maybe I'm okay and that maybe James is okay and that people might like James and James has some good qualities away from playing guitar really fast or, you know, shaking his hips on stage, you know, and that was, you know, a, a lot, lots of my um, uh, sort of hang-ups were all, have all been based in ego and that sort of stuff. And, you know, I've moved out to, away from that, you know, moving away from uh, who people might think I am, you know, and just trying to sort of be a good person and be that nice person that I keep promoting that I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm liking uh, you so far. Yeah, so far, so good, right? Good and I didn't even see you play guitar yet. I know. Yeah, you'd love me. It's great. <laughs> Imagine um, this, but then guitar. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I, I find it interesting that perhaps that guitar was also a bit of a, a shield or a coping mechanism as well. Definitely. I had a friend that was bullied really badly in school and she always thought that she was ugly and she's not. She's absolutely beautiful. But kids would say to tell her how ugly she was and she ended up leaving. She's really smart. She left school really early and she's an amazing singer. She's such a good singer and that's her thing. She'd go to parties and sing and she's like incredible but would sing and sing and sing because she thought if people, they won't see the real me if they can just hear how how she, because she knows she can sing well. So she's like, if I just sing at the parties, it's going to deflect any attention off them getting to They'll never see how ugly I am, or they'll never see the real me. And it was, yeah, uh, it's it can be such a cope, like such a, a shield from people. Yeah, it's all shields. Like shields are up. Like if I've got you like laughing or clapping or you know looking at this shiny thing next to me, you know you're mm-hmm. not going to see how sad I am, <laughs> or you yeah. know, or, or how broken I am, or you know all these things that I feel about myself, how not good enough I am. But if you keep mm-hmm. looking at the spinning plate technique that I've got going on here right now, it's going to be okay. You know, I don't need you to love me. I need you to love me for, like not forever, but just for right now, if I do this, you know, little thing, you know, it's mm. like, um, yeah, that sort of was a big part of it. And then, you know, you throw in a heavy dose of, you know, uppers, downers and al- alcohol, you know, you're going to, you know, uh, the come down's rough. You don't want to be around when the laughter stops, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Have you found that with your recovery that you've allowed people to see you without the, the spinning yeah, tops you you've allowed? To. Because you kind of have to, you know, it, yeah. it doesn't, it, you can't do that forever. You can't, you know, keep the, the show on forever because when it's over, it's really, really over, you know, and you've got mm. nothing, you know, and I found that, you know, <coughs> I really, um, you know, yeah, once people were away, you know, I had nothing, I had nothing in my life, you know, it was nothing to hold on to. I would sort of, it's like I'd be on tour and then I'd just go and sit in a room and wait to go back on tour. There was nothing else in my life, you know. It was just then, you know, boredom sets in, you know, and that's sort of it. But, yeah, it's sort of <coughs> um, I'm still coughing up red dust from the big red bash. Us too. Um, <laughs> you're finding it everywhere. I found it in my suitcase. It's awful. Hey, it's, it's in places it shouldn't be. I don't even know how it got there. <laughs> it's, it's uncomfortable. <laughs> I need five um, showers. 
I know. Um, yeah, you know, as time went on, um, there was just, there was no substance, you know. There were substances, but there was no substance to my life. Oh, boom. Know? I always oh, talk about that. that's a good tagline. How good? That's <coughs> so good. I always talk about <laughs> how I quit alcohol merch, and that's that's got to be right up there. Have it. That's, that's for you. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You. There was, um, yeah. All substances, no substance. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Or there were substances, um, but with no substance. Yeah, you know. Um, wow. Yeah. So true, isn't it? So true. Yeah. God. Yeah. I think anyone listening to this will so relate to that, that so many substances, so little fucking substance. Yeah. You know, I think that I I was a real candidate for like the shiny object, short lifespan sort of uh, accumulative stuff generation you know and buy this new thing you'll be skinny if you have this drink this shake this tablet will make you beautiful uh these shoes will save you <laughs> all these things you know it's like you know uh i think mm. that i like really grew up in that time and it's like a coping mechanism that i still use to this day and you know i think mm. that um the longer that you're sober in recovery from the addictions of your life you know and living life on life's terms that you sort of start to realize that oh perhaps I, it's not the exterior it's the interior you know it's like it's not what i'm purchasing to you know look better feel better look at if i have this then i'll be i'll be something better you know it doesn't mm. work um what works is you know having a for me a conscious contact with a higher power and um you know uh, admitting when i'm wrong you know quickly <laughs> and uh you know um yeah that, that's what works for me trying to be of service to others you know yeah Okay, so you know, I've got this picture of you drinking at a young age. Where did it get to for you? Was it a daily thing? Was it? By the end of it, um, it was sort of hard to be a proper alcoholic when you're like 16 because you can't really buy it anywhere. So I was sort of relying on, you know, a cool uncle or you know, a fun aunt. And then I started touring at a young age and I was sort of 16, 17, on the road in bands and stuff, you know, wow. um, living out my, you know, long haired punk rock, you know, glam dreams, wearing eyeliner and tight pants and all the stuff, you know, and, um, <laughs> you know, it was, it was great. It was, you know, I don't want to make it sound like I had an awful sort of first part of my life. It was a lot of fun, you know, like, and it was great. I got to go do all my, I got all my sort of like rock star stories out early you know <laughs> you know all the you know it's it, it's all done you know now it's just like oh, i might go get a cup of tea but like you know it's like you know it, i got it all in you know and um so i'm just doing that and it's great and then i turned 18 and that's when it got like messy like i couldn't really handle it you know from the beginning you know like i i was using it to cope but like i was you know other people would have a drink have a big night and then go oh well not going to do that again today. I thought, well, I'm broken. I need this, like, sort of, like, putting hot glue on a broken wing, you know, it's sort of, like, just trying to mend myself with, you know, these, mm. you know, double jack on the rocks, you know, and this sort of stuff wow. like that, and, you know, using prescription medication to feel better, you know, and just trying to fix things, you know. Um, always felt like I wasn't good enough being just me. So, 
let me be the thing that you want me to be, you know, and if I have this, I'll be crazy. It isn't that better, you know? Wow. Um, and so it took me through, you know, I turned 18 and now I'm of age. I can go anywhere. I can do anything. And by this point, you know, I've sort of, I've got the tolerance to, you know, go up with the best of them. And so that's what I did. You know, I just, I just drank and I drank and you could buy alcohol and you could go to bars and, um, yeah I remember I was working at a guitar shop and I um and they had a bottle shop next door and at the bottom of the road was the Coogee Bay Hotel so really between next door and the Coogee Bay Hotel I was like sorted I could go get lunch at the pub or I could just get a drink next door perfect um but you know I, I just by the end of it I was drinking from the moment I woke up you know I would get home from whatever god knows what i've been doing and get home and i would make a drink with extra ice you know for the morning and you know i I didn't sleep for that year i passed out you know i don't really i I didn't sleep much i sort of passed (laughs) i passed the three four hours until the sun was back up you know i would in bed have a drink and to stop the shakes you know and then you know so you full-on had the shakes at that stage full-on yeah full-on shakes like whoa I was dependent on alcohol to emotionally deal with how how badly I felt about myself you know I felt really I, I knew that it wasn't good so I felt bad about what I was doing um I felt bad about how my career was because I didn't really care and I knew that you know it's like um like in football so he's a very young promising athlete but he threw it all away you know I you know I was a very promising young musician and then I you know almost had a good song you know it was it was that kind of situation I I almost had a hit Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, except he you know threw it away with bad behavior you know and um so I knew that was happening I was in a band that no one really talked to each other anymore uh they didn't like me I didn't like them they used to party together, but I was too intense, you know? So I, it went from a party to like drinking in sports bars. I don't like sports. Like, look at me, like, you know, like, but I would like drinking sports bars because that's where real alcoholics went, you know, real career drinkers go to a sports bar, you know, and I would, <laughs> yeah. And I can tell you, I'd go to, to, to the Batten Ball Hotel, which was uh, right near Moore Park in Sydney. And uh, there was lots of dog racing on the TV, you know, and you sort of, you know, a lot of gambling, heavy gambling, you know, and uh, lots of broken families sort of hung out there. And um, I would just drink and drink until I had nothing left. And then I would, you know, stumble to my grandparents' spare room where I was living and, you know, uh, drink, you know, and sort of uh, make an extra shot. Uh, vodka and orange juice with extra ice and wake up a few hours later and have that and then to sort of perk up I would have you know um I used to to love these like long-lasting Ritalin it was like really hot it was like a sort of like long-lasting cocaine Uh, it was great Um, Mm -hmm. and I would do that and that'd get me through my morning and by lunchtime I'd feel good again and uh yeah it's, it's insane when you when you sort of hear it back again, oh, it's quite wild. Um, and that was a year, you know, of that. Wow, it's unbelievable. Were was anyone worried about you? Were your grandparents noticing what was happening? Well, it, it's an interesting thing. Like I think people were worried, um, but 
I think that also because of like, because of the job, you know, of being that front man, crazy rock and roll lead singer, it just seems like regular odd behavior. Like I was always a bit intense. I was always a bit crazy, always a bit center of attention, you know, always like to, you know, I've got a pretty loud laugh. I, I talk loud, I talk fast. I say sometimes inappropriate things. It just seems like he was all sort of par for the course, you know? And um, I think that uh, it just didn't seem, but there were occasions that I'd go too far. And then maybe little James's behavior was a bit rough last night and they put it down to the wrong mixture, you know, and that's okay. You just move on, you know? <clears throat> I think that when bad things are happening, it's hard to realize if it happens gradually, you know? It's not like one day I began drinking and using prescription drugs like a drug addict, you know. <laughs> At one point it worked well for me, you know. <laughs> Which is always the way, right? At one point it's working well for the person and it's soothing, yeah. it's it's meeting that need, but then until it's it's not and then it gets pretty fucking ugly. Yeah. I met a guy once in recovery whose one of his addictions was um, Advil and Pepsi Max. Because yeah. one time it worked, it did something for him. Like it, and it worked like two times. And then if it works like two or three times, you go, oh, that works. That's good. And mm. then if you feel bad, you know that that works. And you just sort of use that and you use it. And then you get to the point where you're having, you know, 10 packs of Advil and 25 Pepsi, Mel, whatever it was. I don't really know what it is deal was um but yeah like you know like at one point the drugs and the drinking worked it made me feel good it made made me fun it made me cool you know Mm -hmm. um but then it didn't work but when it stops working it really stops working Mm -hmm. it sure does and so you know were you worried about you and us were you worried about how you were showing up like were you worried that you're waking up having the shakes yeah it started to feel like it shouldn't, it started to feel like this is too early for this. You mm-hmm. know, like I always, I used to joke that I always knew that I had a rehab stint in me. Um, <laughs> I was like, one day I'll, you know, I'll, I'll need to go for a detox and I'll need to do this and because it'll all be too much and that's okay. But by then it'll be fine and I'll be able to take the time off and I'll be, you know, as I said earlier, you know, all my, uh, some a lot of my issues come from thoughts of grandeur and the ego you know it's sort of mm. it's a big part of you know uh my recovery is trying to get away from that you know um but yeah I really felt like towards the end it was just getting unmanageable you know I was waking up in places shirtless and not knowing where I was I remember once I woke up at someone's house and they're like you have to leave and I was like where's my stuff no like, I don't know but you gotta go and sort of I had to like get a bus in only leather pants I'd like had leather pants on and a pair of like heeled boots I didn't have a shirt I lost my shirt in the evening somewhere and I was in like North Sydney and I lived and who in were the people Cronulla. um just people <laughs> Just someone I met through the night. Yeah, a fan. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it, like insane. 
Um, I got banned from Frankie's Pizza by, by the slice. I don't know if you've ever been there. <laughs> oh, you can get away with a lot at Frankie's Pizza. It's, it's one of the beautiful things. I got banned. Like, it's hard <laughs> to get banned from a place with very little rules. Um, yeah. You know, just stuff like that. Yeah, I had to catch like a... I had to go to like a H&M and buy a T-shirt. So, but and like trying to let, let, get them to let me in, you know, shirtless is like hard. Um, wow. Yeah, stuff like that, you know. Um, or like this one time I, I blacked out and I got the wrong train and I ended up in Wollongong at like 2 a.m. And I didn't know where I was. And like oh. sort of things became like, I got scared, you know, I, my behavior started becoming so unmanageable that it was starting to hurt me. You know, I was starting to sort of get into situations that weren't nice. <laughs> um, yeah. That is and, so scary. And it went up to, how long did it go for? So that's when I was sort of 18. It was a big year. <laughs> it, was a, it was a big year. Um, Sounds and, like. Yeah. And then I stopped. I remember on my 19th birthday, I was like, I'm not going to drink tonight. And like, I blacked out. <laughs> I, was like, like, I was like, really like, um, yeah, I was so uncomfortable. that I just sort of began the whole process again. And um, it just didn't work. It, it just really, it stopped working and everyone could see it. You know, like I was blacking out on Tuesdays, you know, like, it was like, who does that? It's insane. Wow. And so what, when you said it wasn't working, that was the alcohol you mean that just, it wasn't working. The whole thing wasn't working for a life, you know, Mm -hmm. like the drugs, the alcohol, the behavior, the things, you know, I was sort of, I would dangle love and affection sort of for women so that they would love me and take care of me. But I was very incapable of, you know, being at all productive in any kind of relationship, but mm-hmm. I would sort of offer as much love as I could uh, so that they would, you know, take care of me or drive me home or let me have a safe place to sleep that night, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, but again, you're 18 years old, you're in a band, got some cool shoes. <laughs> you know, it's, it seemed okay. But looking back, it's, you know, I was obviously not able to deal with it, you know? Yeah. And so when you said on the night of your 19th birthday, you decided not to drink, but ended up blacking out. Yeah. So obviously at that point, you're starting to feel like, okay, this is unsafe. By then, I remember, so like my birthday is in September. And so around August, I was like, this isn't working. And I kept making the deals like after this week, then I can stop because this week I've got this gig and then this band's in town and then you know, they want me to party with them. So <clears throat> I have to. So um, next week I can stop. But this week and I have to show everyone a good time. You know, feeling that like living up to the expectation of some guy, you know, um, James Van Cooper, who's he? Some guy, you know, <laughs> just some guy that thinks he's God's gift, you know. Uh, and so I really was living up to this whole thing, I thought. And I thought that everyone needed me to be crazy and fun. But they didn't really care. You know, like uh, I think that if you're an addict, you're very self-important, you know, you're sort of, uh, and I really thought that everyone, I thought that if I didn't drink, everyone would go, what are you doing? Why are you not drinking? Why are you not crushing up pills in a bathroom? What, <laughs> what are you doing? Um, no one cares. Like everyone else is 
dealing with the, their own stuff. But yeah, I, I would sort of, by this point, I was, um, I, I'd stop on like a Monday. I would sort of punish myself all weekend and spend all my money and do bad things. And uh, by Monday, I can't do this. This is really rough. I can't keep doing this. And then I would um, not drink. I'd try not to, I wouldn't drink as much really. And then by Thursday, I go, oh, well, I can probably have one drink. Mind you, I've been drinking all week. Like it's not like, like I haven't not been drinking, but I go, well, I could have one fun drink at a party this weekend. And then I'd go missing for three days, you know? Um, yeah, just stuff like that, you know, awful to be around. Yeah, wow. When you said earlier that you'd make deals with yourself, I, I hear that so much. I hear that so much with people like, I'll join your next challenge, but I've got a birthday party coming up or I'm going to stop drinking when blah, blah, blah. And I remember making deals with myself as well, or I won't drink, but then come this night, I'm going to have one. And then you're off, you're off to the races, like you said. So what would you say to people that are are making deals with themselves? Really hard. Cause like my deals, I would have on my life, but I believed that I wouldn't drink again. You know, every deal I made, I believed it was my last time. You know, I really 100% believed that I wasn't going to do it again, ever. Every time. I did it every week for like three months. I'm done. And I meant it, you know. Um, I I don't know because eventually you do make a deal and then it sticks, right? And it did for me, you know. All I can say is that I think that sometimes we get so attached to a year or this much time. All that's ever worked for me is that I'm not drinking today. That's all. I can't promise you tomorrow. I didn't drink yesterday. Didn't drink the day before. Actually didn't drink for six years. But today, the important one is today. And so today I'm going to do everything I can, everything in my power to not pick up a drink to not do the wrong thing. Um, a, a mentor of mine once said in early recovery, he goes, mate, all you got to do is just do the next right thing until you go to bed tonight. Oh, that is so awesome. That is yeah. so awesome. Yeah. And he just kept saying, he goes, just do the next right thing and just do it again and again until you go to bed tonight. And then do it again tomorrow. But just do the oh. next right thing. And, um, you know, God, in early early recovery, sometimes it's all I could muster was not drink right now. If for this hour, I'm not going to have a drink, you know. Um, but, yeah, eventually in that 18 to 19 period, um, I got 35 days clean. And that was incredible. I'd never had that much time since I was like, you know, 15 you know, I hadn't had a drink for yeah. long and then I went to a party at X Factor the TV show for some reason I wasn't on, on, on the show I don't, I don't know why I was there um but I um I jokingly said to someone tonight's a good night for a relapse <clears throat> and then I did and then I did <clears throat> and um it was so bad I got arrested like oh, fuck what did you before, do I don't know no what it was was that I threw up in a cab and then I uh, I was smoking in a bar. I don't smoke. I don't know what, I was, but like, just like, it was just like, you know, 
drunk and disorderly and they called someone and got picked up and but i had never gotten it wasn't that bad it sounds really cool actually like it's a lot of wrestling <laughs> yeah the side of that story sounds cool what happened was that my nan had had to come pick me up like you know like it's, it's, you know, it's, like, it's not cool yeah let's cut that out i'm not hardcore um at all uh yeah i got picked up by my nan at 2am because i threw up in a cab and had a cigarette like <laughs> All right, so that's what happened. Uh, but the tagline is James got arrested in four hours from one drink. You know, it's like that's more, that's a better story, right? It's a way better story. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, right. So, like, that was my last time because I never. That was had, your last time? Yeah, November 25th uh, because it, didn't, it hadn't happened yet. You know, I'd gotten by with a couple of, you know, a couple of bands from a few venues. You know, um, you know, a couple of, uh, you know, uh, angry voice messages from someone's house, you know, done the wrong thing in or whatever, you know, what, whatever had happened, that was it. Um, and that was the next, because if you're in active addiction, um, you end up with a list of, I haven't done that yet. You know, I haven't gotten arrested. I haven't blown over for drink driving. I haven't had a car accident. I haven't done this well I haven't done that drug and if I do that then that's you know well I haven't done opiates all these things you know I haven't paid for whatever um a blowjob and what sure yeah you can say it I, I, I wouldn't dare say something so crude which I've been drinking, drinking. <laughs> uh, but yeah all these things you know um I haven't used someone's emotions to better myself you know all these things uh, and one of mine was I hadn't been arrested yet. I hadn't, hadn't, it was like a bucket list thing. <laughs> and it was like, you know, I sort of like, um, my, my haven't yet were happening, you know? And um, wow. that was four hours, four hours. James Blunt offered me one drink. And then all of a sudden there's like, you know, cops and stuff a few hours afterwards. So Shit. pretty clear that I can't handle it. <laughs> or, or stay away from James Blunt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> My haven't yet started happening. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. Another tagline there. That is just incredible. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. That's just hitting hitting me in so many like oof, 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 because I remember thinking that too. Like, well, I haven't done this and I haven't done that. So therefore I'm not that bad. I probably don't need to stop yet because yeah, I haven't done this, haven't done that. There's so I'm sure so many people were having whoa moments right now because they could relate to that. And that when you have when you haven't yet start happening, is that finally when you get the wake up call? Is that what happened? Yeah. Um, it's interesting because maybe your rock bottom isn't the thing that makes you stop drinking, you know. Um it probably scares you the most, but sometimes your rock bottom isn't the thing that gives you the come to Jesus moment, you know, um, that night wasn't the worst night of my career drinking, you know, <laughs> like I I've had sort of scarier, more dangerous nights, nights where like my safety was really up in the air, you know, um, at, at you know, yeah, I was in danger in a big way, you know. Could you, sh- um, do you mind sharing one of those or? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, this one night, <laughs> this one night I went to a drug dealer's house. He was seven feet tall and he wouldn't let anyone. <clears throat> yeah. He was this massive German guy 
um, and he was a cocaine dealer, and he it wasn't even for me. I was just there. Like, I was just you know joining, you know tagging along, and um, and yeah, and he wouldn't. He like locked all the doors, and like they were all key locks. They weren't like door locks, and he just wouldn't let anyone leave until we all like did his drugs and then and he like kind of got like really aggressive about it stuff mm. like that or like um and he like yeah was like was he kind of like entrapped us in a, in a room <laughs> which like looking yeah like stuff like that or this you know this one time I, I took something and like it like paralyzed me like I, I, I couldn't I couldn't I'm like six foot one I'm a pretty big guy and I couldn't move for like an hour and um you know in in a not good part of town, you know, with people that I didn't really know. Um, yeah, you know, stuff like, like your, your safety is gone, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I was, yeah. like, really, you know, in danger. And, um, yeah, you know, stuff like that where it's sort of like, what are you doing? Or, like, getting into cars with people who shouldn't have a licence. <laughs> they've done so many drugs they shouldn't have a license <laughs> um you know and mm-hmm. dr- driving very fast through the streets of sydney you know and um yeah looking back it's like i wouldn't talk to that person <laughs> you know i hope that they're okay but you know stuff like that and as i said waking up in places that you just don't know where you are and you don't know who you're with and um yeah stuff like that yeah wow so the morning after nana's picked you up from- <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's really that's a really funny way of saying that yeah <laughs> so yeah so was that the moment where you thought this is it I'm, I'm not going back it just seems so so obvious that it didn't work it doesn't work you know <laughs> clearly clearly you can't do this um, what was Nana so- saying to you in the car I, I just wonder much. Not much. It's not a lot of talking. It's so funny. Um, mm-hmm. I know that I still need recovery because the fact that we're downplaying my cool story is like just destroying me, <laughs> which is <laughs> Sorry. awesome. Like, no, no, it's perfect. It's, it's so good. It's like my cool uh, hardcore uh, arrested story is sort of like being downplayed by the fact that I got picked up in a Lexus, you know, and so <laughs> <laughs> that's really, really awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I remember, I remember there being like lots of jokes about it to just sort of cope with the fact that it happened. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, you know, I, I remember thinking, wow, this is sort of, this does not work. Like this is really not happening. You know, like I, any idea that I had that I could have some sober time, learn how to drink properly and then, you know, and then go back to it, we're gone because it was very obvious I couldn't, you know. I I did it once and that happened. You know, I went from a drink to drunken disorderly. <laughs> so, you know, mm-hmm. like um, if that doesn't go, this is not for you, then what what next, you know, what can I do next to figure out you know yeah yeah what's the universe going to send me to uh make me yeah, see? I, yeah i really you know i'm always looking for signs in the universe i'm always bothering spiritual people you know <laughs> it's like like if you wear a blanket i'm gonna bother you you know i'm gonna <laughs> you know give me something you know what what am, what am i doing wrong here you know and yeah if that's not the universe saying 
this doesn't work for you mate this, this you're not meant for this you know this mm-hmm. is not for you you know mm-hmm. um and there are people who can drink a lot and do a lot of drugs and then stop or, or the next day not be falling apart and it's all that they can think about you know um mm-hmm. with me it's not that case you know mm-hmm. it, there is no end point for my using if i start yeah wow wow so okay and so the morning after that and you've, you've had this realization that this doesn't work and moderation is not going to work how did you get yourself into the rooms of of, of the 12-step program yeah um well because i'd already been in it so uh, oh you'd so already just, done it yeah that's I'd, how I'd, you I'd, I'd, I'd already sort of had time up and stuff like that um like that 35 days and that's sort of I've been in and out all that year really okay so I sort of have been trying and then once that happened I was like well this doesn't work and so I just went back and you know started again and that was the last time I had to start again god willing you know and so that was six years ago yeah yeah six years and uh November Okay, so I've got some questions for you in terms of because the podcast is called How I Quit Alcohol. And obviously, so you've gone to the 12-step program, but how did you deal within the day-to-day, particularly early on, how did you deal with the cravings and that that feeling of I don't want people to see me for who I am? I, um, I really leaned in on the uh, support part of abstinence-based recovery. You know, it's a big, that fellowship's a big part of, sort of calling people and um so i did i called everyone at, at all times you know <laughs> i uh, i have a feeling and i call them you know um because when you sort of after all that time of using and stuff it's like you have feelings for the first time you're feeling life for the first time you're you know you're you're so happy and then, then you're so sad and you're feeling both of them at a 10 you know you don't really feel anything when you're using like a proper, proper using, using sort of even playing field. You feel nothing. You just feel I need a drink or I need to take more. That's all I felt for two years was I need to do more drugs. I need to drink more alcohol and I need to do something more. Um, so what, so you're feeling everything. You're feeling boredom for the first time. You're like, I'm so bored. How do I fill up 24 hours in a day? Um, so yeah, I just called everyone. I, um, I, uh, you know, I, I just tried to work through it with people who had more time up than me. You know, uh, I'm only so because there are people who've done it before me, you know, that's why, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not the first and, uh, God willing, I won't be the last, you know, but there are people who had more sober time than me. Um, that have become my best friends, you know, and people that I need in my life because um, they've, they're up further on the hill, you know, um, than I am. Uh, so, yeah. Amazing. So, yeah. It's really interesting what you said, like you have feelings or you don't even really aware, you're not really aware that you're having feelings, but you're having, I need a drink or you're having, I need a drug. Yeah. And yeah. that's so top layer, isn't it? It's like the top of the layer. And then if you don't have the drink or the drugs, when you have that kind of, I need a drink, I need to whatever, I need something. Yeah. And then if you take that away, then, okay, oh, that's what it is. I'm actually feeling something. Yeah. And or has- like a lot of it is like um, 
am I tired or am I hungry or am I a little bit sad or do I have low blood sugar or do I like, you know, all these things. I remember um, for the first year, every time I wanted to have a drink, I'd have a banana just in case that was what I actually wanted was a bit of like sugar and some potassium, just in case maybe I don't want to drink and ruin my life. Maybe I'm a bit hungry. (laughs) Yes, Um, yes. But I was like eating bananas like 14 times a day. Well, I was like eating (laughs) a lot of bananas. It was the cornerstone of my diet. Uh, (laughs) uh, Like every rider had to have like three kilos of bananas for James. And uh, (laughs) it went from like all James's like booze that he wanted to, can you guys get some fresh bananas? Because James isn't doing well today. (laughs) (laughs) James is having feelings. Yeah, James has big feelings at, at all times. <laughs> wow, that is so awesome. So for people listening too, like tune in and, and asking, you know, what it is. So if I'm having the craving, if I could remove that, remove the need, remove the drink, what is it that's there? What's the feeling? I talk about this a lot anyway. But then, yeah, am I hungry? Am I thirsty? Am I sad? Am I angry? Like, what is it I am at this moment? What am I feeling? What am I experiencing? And seeing if we can alleviate it, perhaps with a banana. Yeah. (laughs) Perhaps. Yeah. As you say, too, even 10 bananas is going to be better for you than ending up in jail with Nan picking you up at 2 a.m. in the morning, right? (laughs) Exactly. Um, Yeah. Eat the banana. Eat a banana. Go for a walk. Have just breathe for a second. Um, I I bought every T2 product that you could. I had every, I was like, cool, I'm going to be into tea now. And I bought every yeah. kind of tea flask, tea making product. Um, you know, I didn't use any of it. So if any of you want to purchase it from me, that's fine. Uh, but like, <laughs> uh, you know, um, I, you know, I did the classic, I traded every addiction that I had for a new addiction. You know, it's like I said at the start of the podcast, I'm an addict. It's what I do, you know, sort of like I can, I, I can turn anything into heroin, you know, <laughs> I can make anything, you know, into Jack Daniels, you know, I can make anything. So, you know, I, um, I dated a lot of women <laughs> in early mm-hmm. recovery. I traded a lot of uh, free time for that. You know, I fell in love very, very fast. Um, I ate a lot of bananas. I bought a lot of T2 flasks. I can make a great matcha latte, uh, <laughs> you know, um, I, I learned how to cook. I learned how to, uh, so I can, you know, chop onions very, very well. Um, so so if music stops working, I'll probably just go to being a line cook or something like that. Uh, yes, yes. You know, um, I do yoga obsessively per- periodically. Uh, uh, mm. So, you know, uh, every six months I become obsessed with yoga and do it five times a day and then I hurt myself and I can't do it anymore uh and then in more in more time I'll do more and then I'll stop and um I'm still paying for a subscription uh for a class that I don't attend and uh, you know um all these things you know like anything that you can trade for uh an alcohol dependency uh I've done you know yeah well do you feel like that that you know with those other addictions that show up do you ever try the same process of going, what is it I'm actually really after right now? It's what you're meant to do. <laughs> um, yeah, I try really hard to, um, do I really want this or is it, or, or am I just bored? <laughs> you know, or do yeah. I, you know, I just feel a bit sad about my, my life today or am I a bit 
lonely or needy or you know am i thirsty you know like something mm. like that you know um yeah you know it's yeah i try hard to be present in that thinking that i'm dumb you know i'm not that smart all the time <laughs> yeah yeah and we're all guilty of that that's for sure i listened to the podcast you did with scott owen, owen? from yeah from the living end and you were saying in there that um musicians not only are sort of like more likely to be around alcohol but we're more likely to be lonely and sad mm-hmm. and um, cut off from our families more you know um and i think that's a big part of it too is that um as musicians i'm sure i'm sure you know it you know, from you know uh, your relationship with ash that the highs are very very high you know and the lows are very very low and mm-hmm. i think that more so in life than any other career choice you get that on a daily basis weekly basis monthly you know when when you're in the light you're shining and when you're not it's you know it's a bad hotel room in perth and you're on the other side of the country and Mm -hmm. or it's a different time zone or it's jet lag or it's a badly sold gig and you have to pretend to be cool with it you know yeah i think that like the highs versus the lows are so intense you know um, that if you're trying to, especially in early recovery, it's, it's destroys you, you know, this sort of high and low thing is because you're also high and low at all times, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's fascinating. It's so true. And even that come down after the shows, you know, oh God, it's, it's pretty full on. It can be a, it's a beautiful career and it, it offers so much, but it can be very, um, Oh, it's hard. It's really hard to navigate those highs and lows. And like you say, the blows that come along with it. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough. All right. So that's a great thing, you know, to, to notice what's going on, asking yourself what you're really needing yeah. uh, when there is a craving there. And do you still get bored now? I'm bored constantly. I'm always bored. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't mean that there aren't things for me to do, but like, yeah, I'm bored at all times. Um, really but yeah yeah but I think I've just got ADD I'm just sort of like I'm just sort of you know I'm kind of hyper um I'm, I'm, I'm always chasing something you know uh yeah but I don't I don't have to I'm not concerned about drinking today like in early recovery I'm, I'm concerned about drinking I don't want to drink and I'm, I actively work on not drinking uh but um you know you at the start of it, you're white knuckling everything. Everything mm-hmm. is like, I have to not drink right now. Um, now I'm actively trying to keep my sobriety. You know, at the start of recovery, you want to drink, like you really want to drink, but you can't. Now it's like, I don't want to drink. I have to make sure I do things so that I am able to continue to not drink. <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, perfect sense. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so what are the some of the things that you do that you implement in your daily life to keep you on that track? I think the things that really have uh worked the best for me and for my friends in recovery is you stay in contact with people who have more time than you, people who are further on this journey than you are. They've done more than you. Um, they've got more life than you, all these things, more time being sober. You need them. Uh, two is speaking to people who have less time than you because that's a conscious reminder of where you have been and where you are now and offering and trying to be of service to them. 
And then three, um, having, for me, it is a conscious contact with a higher power is mm-hmm. what I've needed in my life. And how do you, how do you achieve that? Um, I try to, I think I said to you uh, earlier in the podcast, uh, I try and meditate every day. I don't, but I really try to, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, um, uh, it is, I, I think that I can sometimes feel when my thinking's taking over, when mm-hmm. I'm starting to try and get my own way. And uh, if, if I'm lucky enough to sense that, I try and uh, hand my, my will and what I want out of the situation out into the universe. And I don't know what's going to happen next. Um, that's what I try to do. I try and be less um, self-serving as much mm. as I can. Now, there's people who live in my house that would probably say that I'm very self-serving. Uh, but, you know, I think that I've got to, you know, um, yeah, like I've been home the last two days, the first time this month. You know, it's a very sort of, we live very self-serving lives being touring musicians you know and um but i try i think trying to be of service to everyone around you as much as you can is yeah what works for for me absolutely i totally agree absolutely agree and i agree with everything that you just said i think that all those things help you stay on track <clears throat> spiritual practice is great helping other people is great and definitely being in contact with people who are a bit further on down the track yeah. that's why this podcast is great because it's amazing yeah, interviewing and talking to people all the time that have, like yourself, six years up their sleeve or 20 years or I'm actually going to interview someone today that's only about three three months, oh, actually amazing. less. Yeah, so. I'm really lucky that I, um, that I work with people, you know, I work with someone who's a, a mentor for me. He's got more time than me and then I've got um, in that same world that I work in, I've got friends who are, you know, 23 years sober, 30 years sober, people who have been clean from, you know, drugs and alcohol longer than I've been alive, you know. Um, that's that's really been important to me, you know. Uh, a friend of mine once said, um, my mate Trav said, mate, you need, you need recovery not because you drink a lot, but because you're crazy because like you can't live life without something and it used to be drugs and alcohol but now it has to be this because it didn't work you flew too close to the sun (laughs) now you need you need something in your life otherwise um you're mental you know like you know and that's that's it you know it's like i need i need recovery otherwise you know me living life with me at the wheels is not going to work Mm, that's amazing one thing ash says uh all the time to to different people he chats to about sobriety he's like make it your hobby so i i guess for you it could be more of an obsession but to make your sobriety your hobby like make it something that you really are working on and actively working on rather than you can't kind of sit on your sit on your ass in recovery it's also that would be super fucking boring as well but to get active in it and to really get involved in your own recovery is makes it kind of also like he finds it a he found it earlier on as well something just sort of kept him occupied you know with all the steps that he was doing he didn't do AA but um the steps that we'd created for ourselves he just got right into them and got really into playing his instrument and working on his voice and just became obsessive about things but in a yeah I'm not sure if it happened to you but as soon as I got sober um everything around my life 
blew up. You know, I got yep. more work than I ever did. Yes. And, and all these things happened. Yes. And it's this, you know, things happened that you wouldn't have been able to handle if you were using. Happened, oh, you know. Fuck yes. I, I talk about this a lot with Ash, like his whole career, everything changed and it was sort of going a little downhill or a lot downhill. Yeah. And then it's <laughs> like as soon as he stopped drinking, it all started to shift. It all started changing and it just it keeps happening all the time. And he's just like, wow. I, I don't was talking know. to someone who has who had two days up the other day, and oh. uh, and they and I, I left thinking about like they just don't know people who just get sober don't know the life they're about to have. You know, it's mm. um, if people are listening, you know, to this when you're counting days or whatever, you know, um, you know, like the life that you could have after you know, from sobriety and from being clean and from all that, you know, um, yeah, you don't know what you're about to have. You know, it's, um, yeah, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. Wow. That's so, um, that's what beautiful words to say. How would you say um, your life has changed? The people in my life that I hold closest to me actually don't know me as a drinker, which is insane. You know, uh, my partner, she doesn't know me drinking. Um, my best mate, he does. <laughs> uh, but, you know, um, but, you know, then my other close friends, my band, um, they don't know me uh, as a drug addict. Actually, I, that's not true. My bass player told me recently, uh, Joel Burton's his name. He said that we did a gig together once and I truly have no recollection of it. And I think he's lying, but, uh, but the way he describes <laughs> me, it does sound like me. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, the people in my life now, my friends, my, you know, um, all these people don't know me as an addict. They, they don't know me as someone that they would have to hide their computer around, you know, <laughs> like, you know, like um, I'm dependable now for people. People can rely on me, which is uh, I was unreliable. Yeah. Yeah, wow. And finally, if you could go back and, and spend some time and give some advice to 14-year-old James, what would you say to him? I don't know because it's sort of, I feel as though all that I would want to say is, you know, it's um, like you're okay. People are going to like you for you. I'm still trying to figure it out, but. Yeah, people think that you're okay. You know, you don't have to, have to be so concerned with, you know, what everyone thinks because they think that you're okay. I spent so long concerned with what everyone thinks of me that, you know, that's sort of, yeah, really hurt me. But I also wouldn't want to not have done all of that either. You know, everyone um, says that. Yeah, like I, I, I think that sometimes it's like, oh, do you wish you didn't? No, because, you know, it was great. It was fun. I've got great stories. Like I have hilarious 15 year old drunk stories. That's awesome. That's great. You know, it's like I got to do all my dumb stuff before anyone cared about me. It was great. You know, um, now I can get booked for gigs and it's good. Uh, but you know, um, yeah, I, I don't wish that I didn't do it because I'm here now and it's great. Yeah. Yep. A lot of people say that, that they say they wouldn't change the journey as painful as it was and as hard yeah. as it was to to go through the recovery and to keep living that sometimes that everyone says they would never change it. And I wouldn't yeah. either. I wouldn't either. I know Ash wouldn't change it either. I wish I didn't hurt some people, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. 
I wish that people, I wish that I could have done all that to myself and not get hurt and not hurt other people because yeah. that feels, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sad that so many people were hurt because I was hurting, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, that, that makes me sad, but, you know, it's a hard world out there. <laughs> yeah. um, and I'm also aware that, you know, I'm so self-centered that these awful things that I carry around me, you know, I, I've luckily been able to sort of, um, sort of move on from them. But, you know, these awful things, I think that, you know, people must think that I'm an awful person. They probably forgot, you know, I'm the one who thinks about me all the time, not them. <laughs> it's know? so true, isn't it? Like, oh, we spend <laughs> I'm the so one much who time. thinks about me. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Well, so, I for one really like you, and I do think you're a very nice person. See, I told you, I told you at the start. I'm pretty. You nice. were right. <laughs> yeah, thank God. Yeah, you're fantastic. Oh my God, James Van Cooper, what a fucking awesome legend you are, and so amazingly wise for your 25 years on this planet. And yeah, I look forward. If anyone wants to check out what you do or find out more about yeah. you, they can go to your Instagram. My Instagram is the best one. I'm most active on there. I have new music. I have a new record coming out really soon. And, what is uh, it? Um, it's my new record. Under Has it got a name yet? Vancouver. It doesn't yet, but I was thinking of calling it songs about girls because that's all I do. I just write songs about girls. So, <laughs> um, so that might not be this one, but it could be the next one. Who knows? Um, but I've got a new song called Gold, which is coming out uh, in a month or so. And then I'll be on tour for the rest of my life because that's all I know how to do. So, <laughs> Have you seen the Slim Dusty documentary on Netflix? I just watched it. I just watched it, yeah. We just watched yeah. it as well. Wow. God, he loved a tour, didn't he? He did. He made me feel better about uh, the lifestyle that I've chosen. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm day three into being home after a month of being away and um, I'm trying to right-size my life before I leave on Thursday again. So (laughs) yeah, it's a funny, all all about that. It's a funny life. The old life of the musician in and out and in and out. I feel bad for the household. (laughs) I think the household suffers more than anything. You know, you come in on a Monday and you leave Thursday and it's a whirlwind. Life is a whirlwind, but it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful life though, isn't it? Yes. Well, well done. Thank you so much, um, James Van Cooper. I can't wait to catch up with you again. Will you, will you beat the Monday Monday bash? Uh, I don't think so. Not that one, but um, oh. I'll be somewhere. Is, isn't Ash coming out here soon? He's coming out to the Central West, isn't he? I don't know. If I ever want to know where Ash is, I go first to look at his website, even when I wake up in the morning and is he at the beach? Hang on, let me check his website. No, he's in Perth. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Where's dad? Hang on. www.ashcrewmore.com. Um, <laughs> yeah. Fun. Yeah. No, he'll, I'm sure he'll be somewhere near you at, at some point. And um, well, if yeah, you should come and we'll hang out. We'll do sober things. We'll do like sober stuff. Tea, yes. Do drink. Yoga. Yes. That's all that sobriety is. <laughs> <laughs> tea and yoga. Tea and yoga. <laughs> and just thinking about your life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. I did. I did. Oh, doesn't matter. I'll ask you next time. I wanted to ask you about the heaps normals. Oh um, yeah. How you, how did you go? Cause some people that are doing the 12 step program won't touch alcohol free yeah. beers. Ash loves them. It, it's, it's very controversial. I don't have them all the time, mm-hmm. but sometimes I do. And I'm very, I don't hide them. I, 
I talk to them with my sponsor about it, all these things, try and be open about it. Uh, you know, uh, I luckily haven't started to do it addictively yet. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, uh, it's not, yeah, it is, it's very controversial in, in recovery. Uh, yeah. But um, they're fun. It's fun to be able to go have, you know, I look at it the same way as some people don't drink kombucha in recovery because it's 0.5% or you know, yeah. 0.05%. You know, yeah. I think a heap of normal has the same amount of alcohol as a mandarin does. Yeah, so, or, or as an apple. Yeah. As an apple. Uh, mm. Not those bananas, though, that I used to munch on. <laughs> they probably that's <laughs> Um, that's just potassium. I never cramped up, which is good. Uh, uh, I didn't have a cramp for six years. It's nice. Um, uh, yeah, um, but I love them. They're really cool guys, and we're gonna we've got some fun things happening later on in the year. Um, and you know, it's fun to be able to have a beer with my band. My band likes to drink a lot, so it's fun. Mm-hmm. To, it's fun mm-hmm. to not drink soda water all night and just sort of be very hydrated uh you know it's nice to f- have you know it's like um it's like having a, a cheeky cigar it's like oh this is naughty i shouldn't be doing this you know yeah. <laughs> um yeah it's fun i yeah. like it um i love just seeing them backstage like we were stoked and ash, ash loves heaps normals and we we're just so stoked yeah, he was chugging them he was he was he <laughs> i went up he had three in his hand I was like, oh, mate, what are you doing? This is, they're not going to do anything for you. He was going to burp a little bit. Like, what are you doing? Lo- <laughs> I was like, he who are him. you, Ash? Me? <laughs> <laughs> I say this, I've got a case of it in my car currently because they sent one to a gig and we didn't finish it, obviously, because you can't really finish a case of his normal mm-hmm. in a night because you just sort of burp. Like, you don't really do anything. <laughs> you don't really act any differently. Um, but, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah. Anyway, so it's just great to see them, you know, starting to, to you know, be in places. Even when we went to the Birdsville Hotel, they were like, oh, I was like, do you have any zero beers? And they're like, because I want to go over Ash. And he's like, yeah, I can't remember what one it was. but Oh, yeah, had- no, it was Great Northern. That and was well, it. I'll, I'll say this. It's the worst one. <laughs> the great- no, well, I, reckon, I-, I reckon the, oh, what one was it? Oh, there was one. The Carlton Zero. That's Yuck. upsetting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would rather a juice or, you know, like anything really. Uh, yeah. But also how good's Carlton in general, you know, now we can get into, into this, this, the semantics of being sober, but wanting beers, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so cool. And I mean, like I've talked about this a lot. Ash always just says he likes beer, doesn't like alcohol. That's cool. So I like that. Been, yeah. I like that. I was saying to um, Matt from Heaps Normal that, when I stopped drinking, Love Matt. I didn't stop. I didn't stop drinking because I stopped liking beer. You know, <laughs> right? I, I never stopped liking alcohol. That's the issue. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Matt's awesome. They're going to be supporting a. We're doing a live event, a how I could alcohol oh, cool. live event at the bar. Actually, it's a good segue for me to give it a little plug. Actually, their tickets are on sale now. Uh, you can go through the links in my. Um, bio or through my website we're doing a how i quit alcohol live event with ash and libby o'donovan who's an amazing cabaret performer lucy turner when is it Dory Vanstone. Huh? when is it oh when is it it's november the 15th thank you and nice. it's at the byron bay 
you should come, Byron Bay Community Centre. If it goes well, we'll tour it around and you'll have to definitely jump on and become a cast member of one of them. Be amazing. But Heaps Normal and also Monday Distillery are going to be um, sponsoring the event, which is great. Amazing. Awesome. Amazing. Tickets for that are on sale now. um, Tickets for Vans, uh, James Van Cooper's shows will be on sale, I'm sure. On Instagram, on Instagram at all times. I'm always shouting about something on there. Get on Always, there. Yeah. Someone once said it, it, it's important to have a voice on social media and James, your voice is shouting. So. <laughs> love, well, I'm uh, so glad nice. it is. So yeah. glad, yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome, James, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.